0: Welcome to Beat the Culture. I'm your host, Grace Walker, and each week we dive a little bit deeper into what's going on in the world and the culture. And we like to analyze it with a biblical perspective, aiming to educate and encourage you to think for yourself and instead of following the culture, beat it. Beat the Culture. New episodes every Thursday. You guys, today is going to be my most controversial episode yet. And I have been more or less dreading, but also really anticipating the release of this episode just because it is such an interesting and highly debated topic in the media. And this one hits really close to home for me because I happened to be on the other side of the argument for many years until I just started to get some more knowledge, but I'm definitely not the most knowledgeable person on the subject, so I thought what better way to bring this topic to light and to discuss this debate than to have somebody on here who just knows so much more than me, who studies this on the daily. So today, guys, we are going to be talking about the pro-life argument That's right, the pro-life argument, and the pro-life argument receives a lot of hate in the media, um, frankly, for being things like anti-woman or pro-birth, not truly fully pro-life afterbirth, and the media just does such an amazing job glorifying this idea of abortion and the woman's right to choose and just really hating on the pro-life movement for for all of these things, but there's so much more to the pro-life movement that we don't see on the media, the side that is hidden from the press. But we are not here to hear from me today. I am simply going to be an interviewer with our amazing special guest who is a wealth of knowledge on the subject and is just going to provide you guys so much more information than I ever could on the pro-life movement. So today we have special guest Autumn Lindsay, an activist with the Students for Life organization. Hey everyone and welcome back to Beat the Culture I have been waiting for this interview, you guys, for so long. My special guest today, I've actually been following her on Instagram for a while. I can't even remember how exactly I found her, but I have just seen her platform go from like, I don't know, maybe 7,000 followers to doubling to like 14,000 followers, and she's just putting out this amazing message for the pro-life movement. So without further ado, our guest today is Autumn Lindsay. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. So obviously, you're super passionate about the pro-life movement, and we're going to get into that, but I kind of want to hear a little bit about you first and how you started your platform and what made you start really diving into this movement.
1: Yeah, so I um, have always been pro-life. I grew up in a Christian pro-life home, so it was something that I was familiar with. You know, we would go outside of Planned Parenthood and pray, or we would go to the Pregnancy Center banquets and fundraise for them and donate. So I was definitely always to some extent involved in the pro-life movement, um, but it wasn't until I was 16 that it kind of became my own decision to be a part of this movement um, in you know, a larger capacity. So I was on Facebook and I saw an article by Teen Vogue, which is a fashion magazine um, titled What to Get a Friend Post-Abortion. And it was essentially 10 gag gifts to give your friend who had just gone through an abortion. And keep in mind, this was, you know, to readers who were teenagers. So young girls, this was the message that they were, you know, portraying to them. So I just remember thinking, this is not what young girls need to hear about abortion. So, I mean, I was 16. I sat down and I wrote a little script and I found a studio to film it. Um, and I created a video, a response video to this Teen Vogue article, and then I reached out to Students Wife of America and asked if they wanted to share it, and they graciously accepted this video that I had created um, and shared it on their platforms. Um, and it's funny because looking back, it wasn't like me to do something like that. You know, it wasn't like I wanted to become a newscaster or a pro activist. It was really just random, honestly. And looking back, it was definitely God calling me to this movement and just telling me to do it. But um, student Life shared it and it just went so much further than I thought it would. Um, I think by the end of the week, there was like several million views on this video that I had created and I was getting interview requests and speaking requests. So very quickly I had to decide do I want to run away or do I want to just dive head first? Wow.
0: That's so crazy. The power of social media for real, right. like yeah. the, the fact that, that video was able to just jumpstart this entire thing for you. And so do you, is this now your full job or is this just like something that you're very passionate about that you spend a lot of time with?
1: Yeah. So I um, started interning with students for life. They called me a student spokesperson. It's kind of funny because they didn't have any other spokespersons. I was, they kind of just created a role for me. Um, so I'm really thankful the students for life and the amount of, of, you know, that they invested in me when I was 16. So I just, you know, would do speaking engagements and do videos and interviews and all this kind of stuff. So I did that for about two years while I was finishing high school. I was in speech and debate, so I was pretty busy. So I didn't really have much time for anything else. Um, then when I graduated high school, they put me to part-time. Um, and then I'm now full-time with Students for Life of America. So I'm the marketing coordinator now. So I've just slowly <laughs> grown up with Students for Life is what it feels like. So I do yeah. this full time now. Um, I work from home and travel here and there and it's
0: really amazing. That is so amazing. And so just for the audience members who are not familiar with Students for Life, what exactly is that organization and just a little bit about the program?
1: Yeah, so Students Life of America is the largest youth pro-life organization, um, and their mission is to abolish abortion. And some of the ways that they do that, the primary way is they start middle school, high school, and college campus groups to change the culture on these individual campuses that is being led by students. So really what I say is that Students Life is handing students a platform to be passionate about the pro-life movement and giving them the resources to do that. Um, So that looks like you know, having a regional coordinator to help you with events and giving you resources to bring to your campus, like speaking tours or, um, different events. Like we had one that was called the truth of Planned Parenthood tour. Um, and we, sent it to, you know, whatever student groups would like to host it at their campus. And it was essentially 911 pink crosses that they would stick in the ground on their campus. And it represented the amount of abortions Planned Parenthood commits in one day in the United States. Um, And so it started unbelievable conversations and gives people that opportunity to have those conversations with those peers, because we know when we're talking about the pro-life movement, we're winning you know, when we're engaging people and getting them to think and educating them, that's when we see real change. Um, but Students' Wife has, you know, kind of a million things that they do. We also have Students' Life Action, which is our political wing. And then we have other initiatives. For example, we have something called Standing With You, which is an initiative to help pregnant and parenting mothers, especially students, um, and to help people in their communities learn how to help these women that are facing unexpected pregnancies. So, Really, Students for Life is, um, you know, the boots on the ground, changing culture and and giving people resources that they need. Wow, that sounds like such a great program. And I'm so grateful that
0: people like you are getting involved and they're just diving in headfirst and and really speaking up because I definitely think that one of the pitfalls of the pro-life movement is just the fact that people who are pro-life can be very quiet about it. And that's really important that we that we speak up. So it's great that there's a program that helps mm-hmm. um, give students that platform, and, and it's great to see people like you doing it. So I just want to kind of dive in a little bit more into exactly the pro life movement because the pro life movement receives obviously a lot of hate from pro choicers mm-hmm. for being anti woman or for only being pro birth and birth and not truly pro life and so on and so forth. I'm sure you've heard it all, um, but yeah. So I just kind of want to discuss some of that those. Um, What's the word? Um, assumptions with you, and and kind of see your take on them. So yeah, yeah. So let's start with this one. So we often get told by pro-choiceers that abortion mm-hmm. is healthcare, and that taking it away would be very anti-woman. So what's your response to that question?
1: This one is interesting to me that feminists have somehow convinced you know women or the feminist movement that abortion is essential for women to succeed because that's essentially what they're saying when they say we need abortion that's pretty clear that they're saying we need abortion in order to be successful um and so for me what I've seen in the pro-life movement is we don't just say that we want abortion to be unthinkable or illegal but we want it to be unnecessary and so that's you know The solution to that is not, okay, well, some women may need an abortion, so let's give them the abortion. No, the response should be, if women are in a place where they feel like they need an abortion, let's put them in a position where they don't feel that need anymore, where they have resources, where they feel supported, where they have the things that they need to choose life. That should be our response. so whenever people say, well, women need abortion, I say, no, no, no. When you say that, you're minimizing the strength of women to say they can't do what they want to do in life or they can't go through this with this pregnancy because they're not strong enough. Essentially that's what that argument is saying. Um and I think it, it weakens women. But we know that women are fully capable and strong enough to do so. Um and you know, the healthcare aspect of it, I always just say, well, healthcare doesn't kill people. So I won't believe that. Um, I will never say that abortion is healthcare because healthcare should not and does not kill people. And so it's pretty clear that, um, you know, abortion, which is the killing of innocent pre-born babies is not healthcare. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that that just hits the nail on the head. It's so
0: true. Um, <laughs> it's like, we're glorifying the idea that, that women need to just be so independent to succeed, but You know, there's so many other options. and But one thing that we do hear, even for people who may claim to be pro-life, except in cases of rape, incest, blah, 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 that's a very common argument as well. So what do you say to that for the people who are for abortion if it's for those who were victims of something terrible like rape or incest?
1: Yeah. One thing I always tell people, you know, when they ask me my advice on this is first to not let the argument become more important than the person standing in front of you. Um, You know, especially when you're talking about this, a lot of times, you know, people have an emotional or, you know, a traumatic attachment to this argument because they have been sexually abused or they have been raped. And so I always tell people that keep that in mind. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know their story. And so be sensitive in the way that you discuss this, because this is a really hard topic and something that it's kind of hard to navigate because it is so personal to people. Um, But something that I always point out is first, abortion is not going to remove the trauma of rape. It's not going to undo what happened. It's actually going to add to it. Um, If you talk to women who decided to choose life after their abortion, a lot of times they said it actually created a lot of healing for them um, and empowered them. And, you know, they were thankful that they chose life despite the very, very difficult decision that it was. Um, But just that, just because the father, you know, created a act of violence, then our response shouldn't be then, you know, having an act of violence against the innocent Preborn born baby. So, you know, it's kind of like, it's a very, it's a very difficult situation. Um, but it's kind of the idea that, you know, two wrong things don't make a right. We still know that abortion is wrong and that abortion kills an innocent human being. And that child shouldn't be the one to suffer from his father's actions. Um, The rapist should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. And we would hope that the woman has all of the resources and healing um, that she needs and we wanna support her through that. But abortion is still wrong. That doesn't change the fact. Um, And it also, we need to keep in mind that, you know, the value of a preborn human being is not determined on their circumstances of conception just because somebody was conceived in rape does not mean that their life is any less valuable than any other person um, so just really keeping in mind that you know the pre-born baby is still human and still has rights um, and they deserve to live despite the difficult situations that they may have been born into of course I think that's a really great way to frame it I
0: love that you started out with not wanting to just completely overlook the person you're speaking to, because it's very true. We've got to be very sensitive with that topic because there are people who have been very hurt by things like that in their lives. Mm -hmm. So it's great that you come at that um, from an angle of love and not an angle of ignore what happened, abortion is wrong. Mm -hmm. Explaining and and being loving while doing so. And that's just, I love to hear that. Uh, Another thing too I was going to say, I feel like a lot of times people who are pro- um, pro-choice will use that argument even though the cases too it's only what one to two percent of abortions is from cases like that
1: mm-hmm. I believe it's actually closer to like less than one oh, percent wow. okay. um, so yeah and that is something important because I think that You know, we deal with that topic as something that we take very seriously and heartfelt, um, you know, and we want to support people who have suffered from circumstances like that. And yet something that I see from the left is they almost use it like like a card to play, you know, to back people into a corner. And it makes me question, well, do you even really care? You know, like. And okay, let's say, let's take those aside. Well, then what about all other abortions? People will use instances like rape and incest to then justify all other abortions. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I think in that scenario, I would say, bringing up the statistic of the amount could be helpful to say, okay, well, you know, let's say this 1%, you know, you believe this 1% is okay, well then what about the 99 other percent? Do you think that those abortions are wrong? And usually that opens a different conversation. They'll say, well no, actually I think those are okay too. And it's like, okay, well then you can't use this card to say, okay, well what about this? You know what I mean? Um, So I do think that it is important for pro-lifers to understand how to respond to that argument because it does seem like something that almost every pro-choicer I've talked to kind of tries to use against me to back me into a corner. Absolutely. And I think it's
0: great because we have both statistics and love and help resources to come at that argument. And so it's it's amazing to see you explaining that from from both angles. Um, so another thing that I wanted to talk about is that pro-choicers often consider us obviously to be pro-birth and not pro-life, which we great. know that that's not the case, but They don't. So, what are some of the ways that the pro life movement is actively working to support life not only before birth and making sure that they are born but after as well?
1: Yeah, um, well, first, I actually usually tell people, okay, call me pro birth, I don't care, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a bad thing to Mm -hmm. say that I'm pro birth, yes. (laughs) So, it's funny that people will use that as an insult to me, you know, I'm like. No, yeah, no, that is what I am. I want people to be born. Like, that's pretty much my stance. Right. So, you know, you can call me that. You if know, how want. awful. You can call me a <laughs> Right, I'm like, do whatever you want. Um, but then I always do point out and say, well, first of all, while being pro-birth is not a bad thing. To say people should live is not a bad thing. You know what I mean? It's They try to back you into a corner and say, well, then you need to save every child in foster care and find an adoptive family for every child, blah, blah, blah. And they try to put all of these different expectations on me, that things I have to prove before I say that I want people to live. That's not true. We don't have to live by that standard. I always tell people like You can say, I don't want people to die and do nothing about it, and you can still say that, right? But as pro-lifers, we do want to do something about it. We do want to make sure that women and children are taken care of, um, you know, and are set up for success. So usually what I bring up is in 2019, pregnancy resource centers served 1.8 million people, provided $267 million in free services carried out 486,000 ultrasounds, gave parenting courses to over 300,000 people, um, provided over a million packs of diapers, um, supplied 2 million baby outfits, and more. And not a single one of them are run by a pro-choice activist. These are pro-lifers that are doing this to help women and children. And so I always say, you know, name five pro-choice organizations that are dedicated to helping women and children after the baby is born. They won't be able to name a single one because they don't exist. And yet I can name a dozen pro-life organizations that are dedicated to supporting women both during and after pregnancy, whether it's, you know, maternity homes or pregnancy resource centers or, you know, places where they can go for counseling and parenting classes. There are so many resources for women. I think that what the pro-life movement needs to do is do a better job at making them known and connecting women with these resources. Yeah, I 100% agree because
0: what is, I honestly think this is just so sad in its own is that people think that they can only rely on Planned Parenthood for those resources when there are so many other tax funded um, resources that are out there that just don't get Mm -hmm. as much recognition because of the pro-choice arguments saying that Planned Parenthood is the only way to go.
1: Yeah. So there's federally qualified health centers is what those facilities are called. Um, And they're all over the United States and they actually outnumber Planned Parenthood. And I'm pretty sure that there was a pro-life organization that did math, that broke it down. um, And they said, if every Planned Parenthood ceased to exist, there'd be enough federally qualified health centers to take on every single one of Planned Parenthood's patients. Wow. That's amazing. So we have the resources. Um, and so when we go outside of Planned Parenthood to pray and women come up and we share with them, you know, why we don't support Planned Parenthood, they'll come back and say, well, I need this. And we're able to redirect them and say, that's, totally fine. We understand that you have needs, which is why you feel like you need to walk through these doors, but we're able to get them an address and redirect them to a federally qualified health center so that they don't have to walk through the doors of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's
0: hilarious that we're talking about this now because it goes so well with what I was next going to ask, which we've basically already (laughs) covered, but just why are we so against Planned Parenthood when they... They offer so many types of healthcare for a woman, right? We hear this often. We hear, oh, but what about the free birth control or pregnancy scans, et cetera? So, what, what do you say when people try to justify Planned Parenthood because of the other resources that they claim they can get from them?
1: Yeah. So, this is one of the most common things that I hear. And on my Instagram, I talk about you know, Planned Parenthood quite a bit, and every single comment section is filled with, you want to take resources away from women, you don't want women to have, you know, the care that they need, blah, 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 Planned Parenthood does other things, all these arguments. Um, And it actually brings me back to, Students for Life posted a graphic, I think it was a couple months ago, that I remember when I first saw it, I was like, why did we post this? But then I was like, you know what, it's kind of a good argument. And it was to combat the whole people will say, well, only 3% of what Planned Parenthood does is abortions. And so Planned Parenthood or Students for Life said, you know, what if these brownies, there's a photo of brownies, only were made with 3% of poop? Would you still eat them? (laughs) And it's like, well, of course not. No. And at first I was like, that's such a weird way to put it. But I'm like, you know what? It's true. Because we know what Planned Parenthood does. They're killing people. And so why would we support any organization that even kills one innocent person, right? So, I mean, first of all, that statistic is false because that's reporting from Planned Parenthood and they have a tricky little algorithm on how they get the, we only do 3%, Mm. you know, that's 3% of what we do is abortions. Um, But even if that was true, that would be enough to not support them. Um, Because again, if an organization is killing any amount of people, that's enough for me to say, no, 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 I don't support you. Um, And so, again, people will bring up the, well, women need these resources and blah, blah, blah. Planned Parenthood's goal is abortion. We know that. Um, Their president came out and said, we will never stop performing abortions. It's our primary focus. Um, And so it's very obvious that, you know, Planned Parenthood exists to commit abortions. But, again, it's the other places that they can go. So when we say we don't support Planned Parenthood, it's not because we want to take resources away from women. It's because we know that there are better resources for her. And we want to plug her in with those and redirect, you know, bring her to a pregnancy center, bring her to a federally qualified health center so that she never has to go to Planned Parenthood because not only do we not need them, but Planned Parenthood is evil and racist. And that's a whole nother conversation. Right. But I was going to get into um, that,
0: actually, if you want to tell a little bit about the history of Planned Parenthood, if it goes along with this yeah. answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Planned Parenthood, the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, um, you know, essentially created Planned Parenthood to, quote, unquote, exterminate the black race. So that in and of itself is a pretty racist sentence. Um And even recently, Planned Parenthood came out and said we no longer associate with Margaret Sanger because she was a racist. The ironic part is Planned Parenthood is still racist, but they failed to acknowledge that. So a majority of Planned Parenthood facilities are located in minority neighborhoods, and they do this on purpose because they know somebody who is lower income is more likely to need an abortion. So they are able to sell more abortions when they put themselves in lower income communities. Not only that, but there are states like New York where there are more Black babies aborted than born, and which is interesting because, you know, the percentage of Black women in America compared to white women is much lower, and yet they have the highest percentage of abortions in the United States. So Planned Parenthood is targeting Black minorities um, in order to sell abortions because they know that they're more likely to need them. Um, so Planned Parenthood is, you know, just... Awful, Um, And even locally, you know, it's not even necessarily. So for example, we were praying outside of Planned Parenthood and we decided to call and pose as a 14 year old girl. So we called our local Planned Parenthood and we said, you know, hi, I'm 14. My boyfriend is over the age of 18. I want an abortion, but I don't want my parents to find out what do I do? And the Planned Parenthood employee advised her. This is what she said. She said, as long as you don't disclose that to us during your appointment, we don't have to report it. So just come in. Don't say that. um, And we'll book you an appointment for Saturday. So just come on in. And yeah, basically just shut up about that. Um, Because legally, Planned Parenthood is required to report things like that. Because that's abuse. Um, You know, if a over the age of 18-year-old man gets a 14-year-old girl pregnant, that's sexual assault and that's illegal. And yet Planned Parenthood is more than okay with brushing that under the rug so that they can take the $500 for her abortion and send her on her way. And this is just at our local Planned Parenthood, but this is happening everywhere. So Planned Parenthood covers for sex offenders. That's what that proves. Um, So, you know, not just the fact that they... Commit abortions and a ridiculous amount of abortions, but their organization itself is evil and corrupt, and should nobody should be supporting them. So it's ironic that these feminists are so supportive of Planned Parenthood, and yet Planned Parenthood is covering for sex offenders. Right? That's about the most anti-woman thing
0: I for can think real. Of. And I know, like, we could go on to this topic on its own forever because there are so many other mm-hmm. things that Planned Parenthood does behind the scenes, and whenever we try to. Not everyone, um, but a lot of times when we try to bring this into the light, it's fact checked Mm -hmm. or it's hidden, and it's just something that people need to be more aware of. Just by simply doing some research and learning about this organization. I mean, we didn't even we didn't even get into the fact that Planned Parenthood sells baby parts. I was thinking (laughs) that a million things that they do behind the scenes that we we haven't even covered on this episode, and we probably won't because that could be an episode all on its own. (laughs) For real, but. It is just crazy because all this going back to the fact that people advocate for Planned Parenthood so they can get their free birth control when all of this Mm -hmm. is going on behind the scenes and you can get free birth control elsewhere. So we just, the pro-life movement is so, so great about trying to to direct women towards something better than Planned Parenthood, something that's actually pro-woman and not Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood is not, frankly. Um, But another thing I did want to dive into is um, you and I, Autumn, are both obviously very religious we're close to the lord and in our christian faith um but unfortunately that does seem to be used against us more and more when we speak out against abortion uh, because some people believe that we're only pro-life because of religion and while faith is obviously a major role do you believe that people can be pro-life even if they are not religious
1: Yes. Um, so Students for Life of America is actually a secular organization, although most of the people that work with us and work for us are religious. Um, it's actually a secular organization. And I think the unique thing about that and the, the way that it helps us be on college campuses is usually what you'll notice, especially on a campus, is when you're talking about abortion, somebody will come up and say, what religious organization is this? as a way to discount anything you're saying, because if they're not religious, they don't care about our religion, which makes them instantly not care about what we want to talk to them about. And so usually what I say is I will never deny my faith, but I can have an entire conversation about the pro-life movement and not bring religion up a single time. You know, I am pro-life because I'm a Christian, but you know, you can be pro-life and not be a Christian because it's based in science. It's a scientific fact that life begins at conception, and if life begins at conception, then we know that abortion ends a life, and therefore, is murder. And so, usually when I'm talking to people who aren't religious, I know that it's not going to relate to them, right, if we start talking about all the reasons we're pro-life because we're Christians, and it can actually be really helpful to discuss it in a purely scientific way. Um, because the pro-life movement is completely rooted in science. And I also have a lot of amazing pro-life activists that I work with that aren't Christian and are really strong and powerful pro-life activists. Yeah, that's great. I'm, it's
0: so true, though, the fact that we can back this up with with science and politics and um, economics. There are so many things that play into the pro-life movement besides religion. And like you said, mm-hmm. we would never want to deny our Christian faith. That's obviously a huge reason we're so passionate about this. But you can definitely hop on board whether or not you're religious because the point here is to be to bring good to the world for everyone it doesn't matter your race your religion your ethnicity it doesn't matter we're here as a pro-life movement because pro-life for all life right so finally kind of to conclude the interview what can our audience do what can pro-lifers do to get involved and stay connected and help the
1: fight for life in america Um, The first thing I obviously say is join Students for Life of America. Um, If you're a student, I really believe that that's the best and most effective way to be outspoken. Um, I ran our Students for Life Club locally, and I loved it. Um, Having the resources and having a regional coordinator that will let you know different events that you can host, they really kind of support you in that um, so that you can be successful. Um, But I also know that not everyone is, you know, in school or on a campus, Um, and so I always say that there are a million ways to be involved in the pro-life movement, and that's something that I really love about it, which means there is a place for every single person in this movement, no matter what your time commitments look like, so just to give you a few um, right now, the first I would say, student's life, um, but the second I would say, really just being outspoken on social media can really make a difference. uh, one of our employees at Students Life of America, he said that when he was in high school and college, he posted about the pro-life movement all the time, never really thought too much about it. Um, and it wasn't until he was later in college that an acquaintance of his had reached out to him and said, hey, I know this is really random, but I just wanted to tell you that all of your posts when you know we were in high school really made me think about the pro-life movement. And when I found myself in an unexpected pregnancy, I thought back to all the things that you had shared and it inspired me to choose life. And now here's my baby and I want to show you a picture. That is so So, sweet. Even I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, we may not, the thing about the pro-life movement is we don't always see the effects of our work and the difference that we're making. But You can't discount it because of that. Um, So be outspoken and be truthful and loving because you never know, you know, you could be somebody's first introduction to the pro-life movement um, or even abortion, especially on social media with so many young people. It's really, really powerful and it helps us share that message to people we never would encounter in the real world otherwise if it wasn't for social media. So be outspoken, be confident. Um, I always tell people, ask yourself, why am I scared to post about this on social media? Is it because I don't believe it's true? Is it because I'm scared of backlash? Whatever it is, identify that and then work on it, you know? Cause I know a lot of people that are like, I would love to talk about the pro-life movement, but I just feel like I don't have the knowledge to back it up. It's like, okay, well then just wait, spend a few months researching and understanding the pro-life movement and training yourself to respond to these arguments. So that you have the confidence, because with knowledge comes confidence. So if you feel ready and you understand exactly why you're pro-life, you will see that it will become easier and easier to be outspoken about that. Yeah. Um, but another way is to go to the Planned Parenthood that's in your community and pray. Um, whether it's joining a 40 Days for Life campaign or just going out there on your own or with family members and friends and just having a presence outside of there, because. Um, you know, when people are outside on that sidewalk praying, there's up to a 70% no-show rate of appointments to Planned Parenthood, which means when women see people praying outside of Planned Parenthood, up to 70% of them just don't show up to their appointment. So again, that's something that you're not going to witness and see, but you are making a difference when you're standing on that sidewalk and praying. Um, Another way is to Reach out to your local pregnancy center and ask them what they need, whether it's fundraising, whether it's donations, whether it's volunteering. They're always in need of help, and that's a great way to support the women in your community um, and to you know, give back to those women that may be struggling with unexpected pregnancies. Um, And then the last thing I always say is just pray. Um, Pray for the strength of pro-life leaders. Um, Pray that God continues to convict your heart to find ways to get involved. Um, You know, pray to end abortion. Pray for the abortion workers that are working inside of these abortion facilities. You know, there's so many things to pray about, um, and we really need that. especially just to be outspoken and then just talk about it, you know, whether it's with family or friends or church community, just have conversations about abortion because that in and of itself can make a huge, huge difference. Yes, completely agree. I think that I've talked about this probably in like three episodes in
0: a row, but culture is just downstream from legislation. And so if we want to make this a thing, if we want to make pro-life America pro-life again, it starts with us and simple things, like you said, just grassroots, explaining it putting it on social media bringing it up in conversation normalizing the pro-life movement making the pro-life movement be more worldly known it's going to be so Mm -hmm. helpful to making that change in america and it's it's amazing to hear from you autumn i'm so grateful that you were able to come on today and just bring just your wealth of knowledge on the pro-life movement to my audience and i would just love to have you again sometime and, and dive deeper into things like maybe we talk about the planned parenthood maybe we talk about one of these arguments that people still have questions on i would just love to have you again and i'm so thankful that you could come on today
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for following me along with my pro-life journey and reaching out. Um, I always love to do podcasts. Like I just love any, you know, platform opportunity to talk about the pro-life movement with people because I'm sure everyone in my own life is so sick of talking about it. So I appreciate being able to,
0: to brainstorm back and right. forth. Right, and even if this helps just one person, then that's one person that we could have helped and that's completely worth it in the end. So it's great that you get to use different platforms like this to just spread your message to a wider audience.
1: Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on. Yes, you're so welcome. This was fun, and I'd love to come back anytime. Please do.
0: (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, there you heard it. Autumn had some really great responses to some of those um, arguments that people use for the pro-life movement, some of the the myths we kind of busted, and hopefully if you guys had any sort of confusion on why the pro-life movement says certain things or what our responses are to certain arguments arguments of the pro-choice side, um, maybe you got some answers. And you know what? I'm sure that there's so much more to cover about this argument because it could go on for hours. So if you guys have more questions, feel free to message me or Autumn on Instagram. My Instagram is at beattheculture and hers is at autumnlindsay.life. And if you guys want to hear more from us and maybe a follow-up episode a part two with some more questions you may have or to talk about the Planned Parenthood um, behind the scenes <laughs> to say, um, put it lightly, then let me know. I'd love to hear some feedback on that for you guys. Uh, without further ado, that's going to be the end of today's episode. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to another episode of beat the culture. I'm your host, Grace Walker, and make sure to check out our Instagram at beat the culture and make sure to check out our website too, beattheculture.com for more information on what our brand is, what we're doing, new blog posts and updates. See you guys again next week on Beat the Culture.